0: Welcome to the we Go places podcast where we catch up with we grads with unique careers and the roads they travel to get there i'm your host brian Turnbull, english teacher at WeGo since 2001 and you just heard music from max russo class of 2020. today we talk to gabby hernandez french class of 2013 project manager and author concierge at fig factor media gabby will share with us how travel reflection, and a return to her artistic side helped her pivot to a career at an exciting international multicultural media company. Joining us today is Gabby Hernandez-French from the class of 2013. Gabby, tell us, what do you do?
1: Hi, I am currently a project manager uh, slash author concierge at uh, Fic Factor Media. Uh, we are a publishing a company here in Naperville.
0: so gabby what was your path to get there what did, how did you how did it all begin to get to kind of a really cool media company and a project manager and all that uh did you always know that you're going to go uh this way or were there some steps along stops along the way
1: yeah so i actually had no idea <laughs> that i would be kind of doing what i'm doing now um my journey kind of took a lot of turns Um, You know, I graduated high school and I actually was a pre-med biology major um, in college. And I uh, had a – I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a pediatric surgeon. That was kind of my, my goal, my dream for a long time. I wanted to go into the medical field. Um, and so that was kind of where my journey started. I, you know, in high, I mean, in college, um, I took, I did all that track, that pre-med track. I did a lot of science. Um, I studied, I did internships. Um, you know, I was at, I went to Case Western. I went to, um, you know, Cleveland Clinic doing different stuff like that. So that was my focus. Um, and I think, you know, having that, um, dream for so long, I think I, I didn't realize how I had other dreams as well, <laughs> and I kind of, you know, being kind of tunnel vision focused on one thing, um, I just kind of just started to realize that I didn't think at the end of the day medicine was for me. <laughs> I kind of went through a lot of uh, personal, um, kind of you know journeys, like it was figuring it out. I was still kind of young and you know, being in the pre-med track, it's not easy. Uh, I think it's very, it's very competitive, very tough. Um, and I just realized that I had so many different interests and I did And I realized that medicine, I mean, you have to be so dedicated, so involved. And, um, and, and I think it really was when I studied abroad, actually um, doing, I studied abroad in Chile, in Chile, Santiago, Chile, and it is actually a, a, a health program. And that's when I was like, I had a great host family and they're like, oh, I can we can't wait for you to come visit again. Like, you know, do this, do that. And I kind of had a big realization and I was like, oh man, like I'm going to take my MCAT, start med school. Like, this is it. Like I have to really like buckle down and like do this. And I think that's when I realized. Like, oh, I don't know if I could, I could really do this. Like, I don't know if it's what I love after all, as much as I thought I did. And that's kind of where I decided to, you know, Realized and made that tough decision that I I didn't want to do medicine anymore, so I kind of you know went into a big um, exploration phase. I kind of uh, you know I after being so honed into one goal and one career, I was like this isn't it anymore. So what now? Uh, So I kind of decided to to try different things. I and I decided this, mind you, um, my I believe it was my junior year. So then my senior year of college, I was like what do I do? I don't want to do this anymore. So it was kind of a, uh, you know, it took me a different journey. Um, I took an extra year of college to try to figure out what I wanted to do. And I dabbed into um, in some finance. Uh, I really enjoy financial literacy. And I realized that that was something I kind of wanted to do. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, I don't know if this is my one calling, you know, what do I do? I so said, I got my insurance license for a while. And and uh, it was great. I learned so much and I'm so thankful for it. But I think at the end of the day, I was like, mm, I don't know. Is this for me? And I had always been very creative. Uh, you know, I, I did theater in high school. I I was in orchestra. I play the violin. Um, I was in a mariachi band in college. Like I love my creativity and music. Um, so that part of me like never went away. But I don't think I, uh, you know, focused a lot on that being like a pre-med, being very, you know, working homework, school, very pragmatic kind of things. Um and that's kind of when I, I had a, I joined an organization uh, called Thick uh, Factor Foundation, um, and it's an organization it's uh, focused on like unleashing the amazing young Latinas, uh, and it's uh, it's an amazing organization focused on you know providing uh, a mentorship program for young Latinas uh, with other Latina mentors, and that's kind of where it all started. Um, I connected with the, my mentor. Uh, which was uh, was Jackie. And she now is actually my boss. Um, But back then she wasn't. She was just a mentor. And I knew she was uh, she had published a few books herself. She was very into, um, you know, the marketing space. And that's kind of when I realized, wow, like I really love that creativity part of things, Uh, working, uh, you know, with companies, working with uh, authors and stuff like that, and just being exposed to a lot of events she would host, stuff like that. It's kind of where I got a little bit more interested in in learning more about it. And that's kind of how it started. I was working then uh, um I was working at a different job, a different place and then she was like, "Hey, I have a, you know, we stayed connected and she said I have a a project I need your help with. Would you want to help me out?" And I was like, "Sure." You know, so I helped her out, worked a little bit with her and then that's when an opportunity to kind of dabble into this publishing world, this marketing world came about and I said, "Yes, let's do it." Um, and uh, and that's kind of how it started. I started working first part time with her. I was also getting married so a lot of changes are still happening in my life so it kind of uh, all worked out and now I've been there for a little over a year and a half almost going on to the end of this year. Um, and and I you know it's awesome. I love what I do and I'm really excited to continue growing my career now in you know the marketing and publishing space. So kind of crazy loophole and you know turnings but uh, but it, that's where I'm, I'm at now.
0: I, I just I, I think it's so interesting that you found a way to have that conversation with yourself to do such a, a really important pivot to go from uh, a, a medical, a potential medical career to then go to something else. I, I was wondering if you could maybe talk about like what were the kind of dangling threads of your creativity that brought you back to want to confront that part of your your personality again. That like do you remember like what kind of brought you back? Cause it's not that these things can't exist while you're studying medicine, but like what was it that like maybe like do you remember what were the, the components that kind of brought you back to like, no, I think I still have more of this to explore and who I am.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's a good question. I think um well one, I think being very uh you know like honest with yourself and knowing that um like I mentioned I was very involved uh you know in kind of creative outlets like in high school and growing up and I knew that that was always kind of a part of me like I like I love singing in the shower you know like when I was singing the mariachi like creativity and like music was always kind of a part uh of my life and I really enjoy it and I think it really was um kind of thinking thinking through that like um especially when I was kind of very focused into the medicine, it was a lot of studying, a lot of time at the library. Sometimes there wasn't enough time or opportunities for me to be that creative uh, or, you know, to just be, um, you know, to explore even just like YouTube for a long time. Like I always had my priorities, but I think that um, it helped that I knew that there was such a big world out there. And I think sometimes like, you know, when you're when you're a student, you're caught up with just one thing. It's very it's good to be focused, I think, you know, to what your goals are. But I think it's also very good to be, you know, to have a variety of interests. Um, and I think one, pursuing it and honoring that we are very multifaceted people. You know, we have different likes and dreams and goals in different areas. And I think I'm I'm happy that I was able to you know, be honest and say I don't want to give up, you know, like music or, or even traveling, like when I was had that realization abroad, I was like, man, I love to travel and I don't think that I would be able to do as much if I'm very committed, you know, to this career. So it was kind of I guess um debating and, and really being honest and saying which goals or what parts of me do I not want to give up as much as this or which ones I'm okay with maybe not pursuing as much, but it'll allow me to do this more because I love that. I just, uh,
0: I, I was wondering too, like you mentioned that you had such a kind of a revelation as you were traveling. I was wondering uh, it, it, what brought you to Chile and what were some of the, the cool things that you did? How long were you there? What did you, what did you do? And, and, uh, and, and how did, how did you come back changed?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chile was absolutely incredible. Um, I knew that in college, I, I, I love to travel. And I think, um, it, while I was in college, I, any opportunity that I had to travel, I totally would take it. Um, I was part of, a, a group too. I was part of a lot of groups in, in college, just kind of getting involved with volunteering, uh, like with my faith, stuff like that. And so, um, I had gotten to Jamaica. Um, I went to Costa Rica, like I went to Rome, Poland, all I was in college through different organizations, but I definitely wanted to study abroad. Um, you know, like take classes, um, be out there, and so, so I did. I I studied abroad over the summer. Um, I was there for about I I think it was eight weeks, uh, or seven weeks. I can't, I can't remember now at the top of my head, but it was uh, over the summer, and um, it was basically for one of my classes. I was taking actual classes, and I think it was actually medical, uh, like medical terminology um, in Spanish. So it was it was something to help my major when I was still I was still a, a bio major at that point and that's kind of where I took it I wanted to travel I wanted to I love meeting people cultures and connecting so that's the main reason why I went I wanted to study but I think just being there um it was a program it was like a national program that people go to it so I met people students from uh, from all over the United States it wasn't just from like my college uh which one was awesome to meet different kids and different um you know students from different places but also there in Chile was so amazing. I had never been, uh, you know, to South America. Originally from Mexico, I went to the States and I had traveled before. You know, to different countries, but never South America, which was so cool uh, to get to go there and um, and meet my family. And although it's Spanish, uh, obviously it's a completely different like dialect of Spanish, uh, Chilean Spanish. So that was a really cool thing that even though I was Mexican, people, people knew are like, oh, you're not from here because although you speak Spanish, like that's not we don't speak like that, which is really cool. Do you remember
0: what were some of the dialectical differences between Chilean Spanish and, and, and your particular uh, dialect as well?
1: Yeah, I think, um, well, one, they, uh, the word po, they use the word po a lot. So if like, you know, you say like, when I say yes, I'm like, si or hola or something like that. But for them, they always say like, si po, or like no po. Like (laughs) they use po a lot for like, just to, like a tagline at the end, <laughs> which was so cool to me. I was like, "Oh wow, it's interesting." Or um, I'm trying to think of right now at the top of my head other stuff. But
0: there is, there it, 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 it language is so fascinating. <laughs> there are all those like weird quirks, like even like the differences between like American English and mm-hmm. English or English from England. There's like there's a, a an artificial R that is presented between um, the ending of a a word. With a vowel and then Mm -hmm. starting with a vowel, so you always hear that hard R that like is like between two words like that. So I wonder if that's what Poe somehow is like one of those weird linguistic markers uh, in there. I'm now I'm going to research that. I love those kind of quirky things uh, with that. So, (laughs) so, so this is really fun. So you so you take this job at Fig Factor uh, Media. What do you remember? What the first project that you worked on while you were there as a project manager
1: yeah i do um actually my first project uh was uh was an event um as i mentioned we're a, uh you know a multimedia company um so we do host a lot of events um and uh, and also publishing uh you know with with you know with expert marketing attached to it so my first event was um it was called Latina Talks and it's basically kind of like TED Talks, um, but for, but for Latinas <laughs> and it was uh, for young Latinas. So it was a program for, uh, that basically took 12 young Latinas. It was, uh, uh, and they had to basically prepare a speech, uh, to prepare it. I mean, to say it out loud, um, and it was hosted at North Central College. So I was the one who basically had to manage the event, uh, connect with the girls, um, you know, make sure everything was good with, um, with the tech, different stuff like that. So that was my first project. I, I, I've always been very kind of, um, you know, like I like to connect with people. I feel like I always had like leadership roles and just a lot of the things, um, that I'm a part of, cause I just really enjoy that. I love helping others and, you know, creating, uh, you know, things, making things happen. So that was my first project. And, and I remember doing it and making so many connections already from the get-go, but Also, just the fact that I started from basically like a a creative brief or a proposal of, okay, this is what we think this should look like, to then making it happen, you know, creating, you know, the elements that we needed to do, communication, emails, like so many things, um, meetings, stuff like that, to then at the end having this like full, you know, blown event with, you know, with audiences, with communication, with the tech, with different teams, different components you know, the photographer food. So it was just kind of crazy to think that um I was there making it happen, you know, and that was like, I, I'll never forget that first event that I worked on, because now we've come so we've come such a long way. And it's it was just cool to think that that was like, my first, you know, big project working with Big Factor.
0: I can't imagine how many different checklists you must have for an event like this to include Parking, catering, tech, tech, uh, you know, all of the, uh, did the guests arrive in time, ticketing and all of that. So you had to, you had to sort all of that out. I'm wondering, do you, how do you, do you take on all of that responsibility or how do you figure out what do I delegate versus what do I have to, you know, kind of own in that whole process?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it definitely, um, well, one, you know, being in my first uh, event with Fake Factor, they knew that I, you know, this was my first event. <laughs> so working with the team, um, I didn't have to do, you know, everything. It, it was a lot of direction that I was also uh, helped with, which was awesome. Um, but I really did have a lot of, um, you know, kind of liberties to make make it work and, and putting my ideas and making them happen and, and delegating, like you mentioned, some of those items. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, It was working to kind of together um you know with our team but also making sure the production was you know was happening you know uh as they say like dotting all the i's crossing all the t's making sure like those those things were done um so it was a lot of a team thing i think it's definitely knowing when to delegate knowing what you need to do early on so that you know it gets done so later you're covered stuff like that so it was definitely a really good experience and and now you know we keep getting better and better, we think.
0: <laughs> right, practice, keep on yeah. doing it. So so you're a multimedia – you're part of a multimedia company, Fig Factor. Mm-hmm. Do you have a – so part of it is kind of event planning, putting on great speeches like this. Is there another uh, part of media that you – of in the multimedia part of the company that you like uh, working on as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we are um, – our basis too that we do work on is uh, publishing. So, publish working with authors. Um, we have a, a huge team that uh, helps us uh, basically publish books for people. Um, and so, we we uh, um, specialize in anthologies, business books, and children's books. Um, and so, I love that part as well because we get to work with. Uh, we have a great team of. Uh, developmental editors you know line editors designers illustrators uh, that work uh, with with authors who if you you know if you're interested in writing a book we could help you and kind of taking you from step one all the way to end to actually publishing your book and having it in hand um, so that's uh, a whole different other section of fake factor media and one of the biggest you know sections that we focus on and, and it's really rewarding
0: so what then are the responsibilities of an author concierge?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it's so funny because when people, um, you know, we connect with our authors and we say we have like, you know, our first meeting, you know, talking to them and, and when they say, yes, I want to do this, it's uh, it's always uh, connecting with um, our strategist, you know, our CEO kind of connecting with them. And then, uh, and then I get to talk to them uh, as an author concierge kind of managing their project, and a lot of it is uh, setup and logistics. Um, you know, working with them set to set up, um, you know, certain accounts for platforms that we use for actual publishing. Um, doing a lot of uh, making sure that you know their their forms are filled out correctly. You know, taxes, stuff like that. Um, kind of like the back end, a lot of it, uh, which I focus on. Um, but also some of the front end and managing the managing the actual um, project. So it's kind of like a author liaison, if you will working with them um, across the board for, you know, if, if, if it's an illustration right now, working me with the illustrated communication is good. You know, then we move on to design, making sure with our designers it's good or with our proofreaders. So kind of overseeing the project and making sure the communication and the author knows exactly, you know, where they're at in the process and as well um, delegating and, and uh, communicating with our team, making sure um, every step is, uh, is taken care of as we go in the process.
0: It's interesting you're talking about like the back end, you know, things like just knowing the proper tax forms to fill out, but then would the front end be then the more overt marketing using social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and maybe others to kind of use that to get the marketing of the book out as well? Is that something that you that you that you take care of, or do you, is that something that your team, that you direct your social media team to do?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I definitely help out a lot, um, in that marketing and a social media kind of, uh, world as well. Uh, many of our authors, I think it's something cool to mention is that, um, some authors come to us, uh, all they want is to publish their book. They want to share it with their family and friends. And it's like a legacy thing for them. They're comfortable. We publish it and, you know, they have it in hand. And and for many of them, like that's their dream. Um, they don't necessarily care about, you know, selling or being on the bestseller, stuff like that. And so I think it's honoring every author and whatever their goals are. Uh, so, you know, authors like that is awesome. They're very, you know, we work with them at the end. We, you know, do a big... Um, we give them a certificate, you know, we get, we create bookmarks, we create um, different assets for them that they would need. Uh, but some authors like you mentioning, um, you know, want to continue promoting their book. They want to get it out there. They want to continue getting sales. Uh, yeah. So then it's definitely that component of marketing and, um, adding, uh, uh, that, um, kind of creative spin on things as well, uh, with the social media, you know, creating and working with our authors to create an author presence, uh, pitching them for awards, pitching them for, uh, you know, book awards as themselves or authors. There's the publishing and book world is so big and there's so many ways too of different uh, types of publishing as well. Um, so it's kind of nice that being able to guide a lot of our authors and depending on their goals. But absolutely. Yeah. It requires a lot of, um, you know, working with our Uh, with our team. And we do a lot of strategizing as a team together as well for our authors, depending on their goals. Um, As I mentioned, you know, uh, working on a business book versus a children's book, um, there's different routes and different things that we can focus on uh, for each of those. So kind of working with them and and, um, knowing what would be the best strategies with them to help them and also what the goals they have to, you know, to accomplish them.
0: I think I recently read somewhere that, that, you know, despite, that it was difficult to maybe uh, access actual stores during COVID. Book sales were actually up uh, over the past year and all that. And as more and more people are, are maybe emerging uh, to come out, to come out as, as people come more comfortable with uh, being vaccinated and just all of the the numbers kind of going down uh, with COVID and all that. What's going to be the first major kind of event that you guys have planned, or what are you guys uh, making strategies for coming out of uh, kind of what should be a very auspicious twenty twenty one twenty twenty two? What you, what you, what, you, what seems to be the next big plan for Fig Factor?
1: Yeah, um so definitely agree that I think it's you know where we're at in the in the book world. I think um I want to do mention something that because of COVID and so much changes happening with obviously with physical events and getting together, um usually we hosted a lot of book launches as well. So once you know an author had their book, it was ready to go. Uh, we would do a lot of fun book launches, you know, um, in, in a, you know, in a restaurant, a hall, a certain location, uh, working with our authors, you know, to, to actually launch their book, invite family and friends, but that had to go all virtual. Um, so we became very, uh, well-versed in virtual book launches and events. So v- virtually, so it was really, um, kind of had a pivot on that and definitely was a learning experience to kind of, uh, you know, taking, uh, uh, going that route and how we were able to still kind of honor, you know, this publishing process and then actually launching the book, still being able to kind of work with it. Um, but now I think we're getting excited for once, um, once uh, events kind of open up, uh, we just had a really great event, um, at the, at the Stan mansion in Chicago for, for actually a book that we helped publish. So that was really fun. It was very intimate, um, probably around like 30 people social distanced. Um, and it was really beautiful. Um, and now it's kind of look, we're really looking forward to, we have a lot of um, books in the pipeline that we really hope by, you know, the summer and by the fall, uh, hopefully we'll be able to continue kind of working on some of those, um, events that, you know, probably still not as huge events. Um, but, you know, starting to kind of open up a little bit and, and focus with our authors because, uh, It's really great, you know, being in person (laughs) for in-person events. It's so great. You know, people can autograph their books. It's like a big deal. And, you know, virtually I think it's fun, but that physical component is going to be exciting. So probably a lot of the exciting uh, book launches coming up kind of later on in the year will be really fun to work on.
0: You also, I I noticed that you have um, uh, kind of creative uh, control over, now maybe this is the wrong way of saying it, that that you also uh, are the host for the Fig Factor uh, podcast as well. What's that? What was that learning curve like to uh, to become uh, like the host of a of a podcast yourself?
1: Yes, uh the podcast is uh, really cool. Um it's called the Author Central Podcast and um this was kind of an inspiration um last year I think also as well like through through covid where it kind of was we have so many great authors um you know a big part of our um of our marketing team as well that they focuses and uh, is in PR as well so like getting media opportunities for authors, interviews and stuff like that. And it was just kind of an inspiration of uh, of saying hey like podcasts are really you know really great really popular why don't we start our own and basically interview all of the amazing authors that we've been working with um, and that's kind of how the inspiration happened um, Jackie my boss is uh, really awesome and she we actually communicate a lot by voice memos too because it's sometimes so much easier to type than to type the huge long <laughs> messages and and I would send her so many and she's like you know what like There's something about your voice. It's just so fun and like soothing. Like why don't you? Why don't you become like our podcast host? Like why don't we create a podcast and you host it? And it was so funny. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like I actually always thought of starting a podcast, but I never knew like what or how or like you know really actually made it happen. So then this opportunity was like perfect. And that's kind of how I started, um, and it was kind of like a learning curve. We we didn't know anything about podcasts, so it kind of became like my project, and um, that's kind of how it started. It was a lot of research, looking into like what do we need, like what equipment do we need, like what you know, how do we record, how do you edit, how do you host. So it was a lot of um, research at first, a lot of. Uh, listening to other podcasts of how to start podcasts and, you know, YouTube for sure was a help. Um, and then just kind of working with it. And now I, I do manage, um, our podcast. So I do everything from, you know, scheduling to the editing, to the recording. Um, and then obviously like the hosting as well. And then, um, our awesome team and our website puts them up on our website, but it's been a it's been really cool to learn one podcasting in that world um and then also is another just opportunity for our authors to get interviewed by us and then they get to share you know the episodes with their followers and friends is really really cool um and and yeah i think it's fun obviously like w- how we're doing it now podcasting and it's fun to to also do that with other people so it's really cool
0: it's the best i love it i mean just, i i mean i as you know you just it's fun Learning from people. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I, and I, I don't see the people that I that were former students. I mean, these are professionals who I learned so much of in fields that I don't know about. So I, I just I feel like my brain just expands every time I have these incredible conversations. It's so much fun. So awesome. I, I want to kind of circle back to, uh, again, like the mission of Fig Factor uh, Media or one of the, 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 the kind of kind of underpinning philosophies is about really kind of giving voice uh, to uh, Latina and Latino of, of voices and uh, and with art and, and all those other things, um, you know. I was wondering if you can kind of comment more about like why that, uh, is so important why you feel that is, uh, that you're, you're so excited to be part of that, that
1: mission. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking that. I think, um, Yes, absolutely. Fig Factor Media, uh, which part of it, why I love is that we are a Latina owned, um, publisher. So it's, uh, you know, we're a minority owned, um, we're also immigrant owned, our incredible boss, uh, you know, is immigrant herself here. So, uh, and I myself am a Latina and I'm an immigrant from Mexico. So coming here and knowing that like one in general, like, you know, the States is like, um, you know, the place of opportunities, like so many great things. Um, we're able to happen and do that many, you know, or other countries, maybe it's not possible. So that in itself, I think is really cool to connect, uh, you know, with people and how I mentioned earlier, kind of how I ended up working at Big Factory Me, it was through that connection it was through that, um, you know, empowering and opportunities for, for young women like me, and, uh, and now, you know, working side by side with a lot of, you um, uh, you know, with Jackie and, uh, and a lot of our other team members and stuff like that. And a lot of our partners uh, has been really rewarding. Um, and particularly at Fake Factor Media, um, uh, it started, we currently house uh, the largest collection of Latina stories in an anthology series, um, which is absolutely amazing. Right now, I think it's um, close to over 200 stories of Latinas uh, across nine different volumes. Nine, uh, volume nine is about to be published um, later this year. But, um, it's kind of, you know, that project in itself, it's called today's inspired Latina, uh, was, uh, was a divine download. And I kind of want to mention that is, um, our boss has this, uh, divine, it's called divine download. So whenever you have an idea or something that you just feel in your heart, that is like, you have to do it. It's a divine download. Um, so it's cool. Cause you know what, we're at work and sometimes we're like, Oh my God, I had a divine download and we'll text the team. So everyone knows what a divine download is. So whenever we say it to other people, sometimes we have to explain ourselves, but, uh, but I love that. And that was kind of a divine download she had. Uh, she wanted to, um, you know, Uh, have a platform for other Latinas to share their stories. Um, And at first it was just one book and she didn't realize how, you know, crazy it was going to grow into. And now it went to another one and then to, you know, huge impact. And now it's been, it's really becoming a movement of, uh, of Latina storytellers of sharing their stories, of doing connections. Um, And it actually moved on to today's inspired young Latina, uh, which I was able to participate in the first volume of it. So I actually also wrote my story. Uh, or part of my story um, in a book uh, that's published. And now we're working on volume three for today's Inspire Young Latina. Um, but I love that, that we're, a, you know, we're a big advocate for one, uh, you know, for sharing your story, for for storytelling, um, but also just, uh, you know, being a, we call ourselves a multicultural media company because I think it's, it's nice that we focus and we encourage a lot of, um, you know, p- people who typically don't have, you know, don't, wouldn't write a book or think that they can't have a story or they don't have as much success that, you know, compared to other people or whatever. That's not true. I think everyone has a story and every story, everyone's story is valuable and it's unique. Um, and that's a big, you know, our belief is, um, that, uh, that that's how we have to do it, that you have to share your story. Um, and that, um, something that we often say is that writing is an extension of your soul. So, you know, writing, uh, your story is like really just an extension of you and you're, you're leaving a legacy here because you're sharing your story and that's powerful. Um, and so that's kind of like a big part of, uh, what we do at work uh, at Fig Factor Media and it's been very life changing for many of our authors. And we get so many messages like, Oh my gosh, like this has been so amazing, rewarding. And uh, it's always so great to be a part of that and be part of people's journeys of, uh, of writing their books. It's, it's powerful. <laughs>
0: Wow, Gabby, this has been so much fun. And, you know, you've been so generous with your time. I was wondering if you could leave current Wildcats with some tips for
1: success. Yeah, um, I would say, well, one, I think definitely um, believing in yourself. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's often said, but I think sometimes it's very hard to do, especially when you have a lot of pressures Uh Exterior pressures of yourself, of the world, of your family, but I think really believing in in the in your work and and especially if you have a dream inside, um, you just have to believe in it. You know, um, you know to get to be successful. I think you you have to know yourself and, and you know care for yourself and believe in yourself. So. Definitely pushing to whatever you need and it starts, you know, from the inside. Um, But I think something that's pretty good and pragmatic is uh, taking action as well. Um, I think it's good that, you know, dreams are – we have dreams and goals for a reason, but I think uh, taking action, even if it's a small step um, forward – you know, it's, it's good and you have to do that. Um, you know, you can have a book idea or have a story in your head, but if you don't pick up a pencil or start typing, it'll never get done. Uh, so taking that action for sure, even if it's a little step, you know, um, you can do it and that will ultimately snowball and, you know, you'll get to where you need to be. But take the first step.
0: Oh, that was great. Gabby, thank you so much for this great interview today. Uh, I've learned a ton. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. You can follow WeGo Places on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Just search WeGo Vox, that's WeGo V O X, or search on Facebook for WeGo Places Podcast.